fantastic. I do uh, want to recommend that you get to North and sign up for it. I would be going to North, but I'm getting married that weekend, so, um, yeah. Hey, God being so good to us. You guys having fun? I trust that the one thing you've got from this weekend or this day together has been that you get to have a whole lot of fun with Jesus. That he's not religious and stuck up and he's not like kind of trying to make it really hard for us. He's actually a whole load of fun. Really? Was that all we asked going to get out of that one? I thought I'd get a really good point to there. He really is loads of fun, isn't he? He's not... Thank you. It sounds a little bit better. Um, and so I want to just quickly tonight end off today, I suppose, both with the sense of commission and uh, at the end we're going to pray for as many people who want prayer, maybe even do what's called a fire tunnel. We'll see what happens. I'll tell you a little bit about that later. Um, but um, I do think God wants to do some amazing things with us tonight. And uh, God is so kind and he wants to minister to many. Just before I get started, uh, the bass player, where is he? Ah. Bass player, red shirt. Do you want to stand up quickly? What's your name? Sorry? Ben. God's hand is so on you, Ben. And I just felt like God really wanted to encourage you. I feel like you are in a place where you really are searching and questioning about what God has for you in this next season. I think it might even have to do with study opportunities and stuff like that. Is that right? Um, and you're at a crossroads and you're trying to figure out, God, what am I going to do next? And God wants to encourage you that he's created you to be a man with incredible entrepreneurial skill. You've got like an ability to start and to pioneer. You get bored so easily. You hate the same old, same old, don't you? And uh, God's given you like this creativity that pioneers things. And I believe God is wanting to use you even in terms of music and, and working in the musical field in terms of sound and in terms of capturing sounds and releasing sounds and creating sounds. And God is going to begin to really open up doors. I feel like there's a money issue to do with study and God is going to unlock finance for you to be able to step into the thing that you want to do. It's not what everyone else expects you to do. It's not, I almost feel like there's a pressure in expectation maybe from family to do a certain type of thing, yet you've got something brewing in your heart and it's different and it's not in the box. And God says if you would obey that, he's going he's to provide for you, he's going to bless you, and he's going to open up the right doors for you. Okay? And I feel like God wants to use you to create sounds that capture the attention and imagination of a generation. And he's going to do some wonderful things with you in the next kind of few months even. There are going to be particular doors that will open up very quickly for you so that you can find favour in, in unlikely places. So just watch and see God's hand is on you and, and the thing that's in your heart you have to do. Alright? I feel like there will be a season where you'll do a stint in America. There's going to be a time for you where you I don't know if you're going to be studying or learning stuff like mastering and sound, stuff to do sound. We'll be there for a season, but you'll come back and bring that sound even into uh, this nation in order to bless many people. And so, Father, we just thank you for Ben. We bless him. Father, we thank you that he can't help but live in your favor because his name means the son of the right hand. And so we declare favor and blessing upon him. In Jesus' name, we ask you for open doors. Amen. Bless you. Listen, there is somebody, I think you're probably in this section over here, in about uh, 2012, 
kind of the first bit of 2012, I think between January and March, you, uh, I see you in a particular context. It almost looks like it could be your lounge, because I see like a lounger or a, a big leather seat. And I see you sitting with papers in your hand and just weeping. And it's like there was something that was spoken over you in terms of tests medically, I think, that's caused you to come into real despair and fear. Um, I think it's going to do a blood disorder or something. It's not that the, 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 it's not that the sickness is life-threatening, but it's just brought despair over you. And you just felt like, am I going to have to live with this? And I think it was the beginning of 2012 where you just sat on this couch, I can see sitting there, just despair coming over you because of this either medical report or some kind of news that you got. Um, and the Father just wants to minister to you. Vicky, can you just quickly put up your hand? I think you're somewhere over here. Uh, just quickly lift up your hands. Go on to just minister to you very quickly. You might be somewhere else in the building, but I think you're over here. It was right about January to March, somewhere around there. You just felt overwhelming despair, and I see you sitting on the edge of a couch, or looks like a leather couch, just weeping. Um, I think you're a lady. Um, if I could just quickly put up your hand, go on to just minister to you. I might be wrong on the date, but I think the, the, the scenario is definitely right. So who's that person? We just want to pray for you. Um, just very quickly, slip up your hand, go on to minister grace to you. I might be wrong, but I think you're somewhere over here. That makes sense to someone? Going once? Going twice? Very quickly. No? I could be wrong, which I'm happy to be, because I'm still a son, even if I get it wrong. Just modeling my own message. But I do feel like there's a woman here like that. If that's you, I'd like to pray with you afterwards. I don't want to embarrass you, but I think you are here, and uh, God wants to minister to you. That is you. Um, I'd love to pray with you afterwards. Does that make sense to someone? Is, is that you? Does that kind of make sense to you? Do you want to just stand up very quickly? I don't want to embarrass you. Can, in fact, you can stay seated. Don't worry. I just felt like God wanted to say to you that he's got an incredible destiny for you. And it's like every time you felt like there was a breakthrough, it's like a roadblock just hit you. And it's like you couldn't break through to the next season. And the Father wants to say to you that he's about to bring significant breakthrough for you. That his love is towards you. And that the enemy has meant things for harm. In fact, I see a relational breakdown that happened even, uh, I don't know if it's two years ago, but I see this relational breakdown sometime it's happened that's caused devastation to come to you in a very deep way. And actually, it's affected your sleeping patterns, it's affected some aspect of your health, even your digestive system. And it's been really difficult this last season. And the Father says to you, I'm bringing healing. I'm bringing an equilibrium to the hormonal levels and to the nervous system in your body so that you can walk in wholeness again. Because he's not intended you to live in a place of grief for this long. Okay, he's going to lift that grieving off of you so that you can begin to come into a new place of wholeness. And it's even affected the whole creative flow that you have. Because I see color and design and shape all around you. And uh, God is going to unlock that again in a fresh way for you. Because you've just got this creative flair. You, you used to bring joy into any room and it's like that's just stopped. God's breaking that because you're a joy giver. 
That's what he created you to do. And right now he's unlocking that for you in a very powerful way. And uh, Father, we just bless this dear sister. And God's also bringing some healing to your body um, and into your mind. There's some some uh, healing that's coming particularly in your mind that uh, has affected your body. And God is restoring some things to you. He's bringing an equilibrium and a balance. I don't know why I see, I feel like there's even something to do with the iron levels in your body and energy levels in your body where you've been really, it's been hard for you to get high levels of energy. God's lifting that up so that you can begin to be healthy and the energy will begin to come back again. And God's dealing with the issue of your heart. And He loves you. And God, God just wants to say to you, you didn't mishear Him. Because I feel like the enemies kept saying, you don't hear God, you don't hear God. God says, that's not true. You do. And even in the face of what seems like a disaster, God says, I'm going to turn those things for your good and for his glory. He loves you very, very much. Amen. Bless you. <clears throat> Yay, God. Is there, is there a Janet in the room? Someone called Janet? Or Janice, or Jan, that might be the, the beginning of your name. Um, is there anyone here like that? Sorry? Janice, stand up. I just got the name Jan, or Janice, or Janet. They all kind of merge into one. The problem is trying to decipher what's going on. Um, I see God's hand, God's hand on you. Um, I feel like... Uh, you're a woman whose uh, yes is your yes and your no is your no. No, no mess, no fuss. Um, and uh, you tell people like it is. <laughs> God's put a real feistiness in you, hasn't he? Uh, he just loves it about you. Uh, he loves the fact that you uh, are feisty. And I feel like you're in a season where you've had a battle, even for some family members, you've had a battle uh, for some situational breakthrough that you've been under for a season. And God wants to say to you today that he's heard your prayers. Um, and it's almost like you've been praying a particular prayer for the last kind of four or five months in terms of breakthrough. God says, I've heard your prayers and I'm going to answer now. There's going to be some breakthroughs that are going to begin to come even financially, even relationally, that you've been waiting for. I feel, I see paperwork, something to do with paperwork and finances that have been tied up and God says there's a release coming. Alright, and you're going to begin to see breakthrough. I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, there's a release coming around that paperwork because his hand is on you in a remarkable way and he's got some incredible plans here because God's, going to, God's got some travel lined up for you. And uh, it's going to be travel into ministry context. It's going to be fun, but it's going to be some ministry context where you're going to be seemingly a part of a team or just part of the group, but God's going to have a holy assignment for you, and you're going to touch the heart of some people. I see God really giving you a heart for the poor and the broken. And you've often said, God, what can I do to reach those people? They're not quite on my doorstep. God's going to begin to give you insight, and God's going to give you a prayer Life that's going to begin to touch the broken of the broken. And uh, part of that means you'll even travel into some of these places. God says, the adventure's just begun for you. <laughs> it's just begun. It's like you've thought, wow, what's going to happen? God says, wait and see. This is a good adventure. Um, and I just feel like you need to know his hand is on you. He's hearing your prayers. I see you even journaling particular things uh, that you've been asking God about recently. I see you in 
like a very light room. There's a lot of sunlight in it. I see you journaling in this room of just lightness and freshness. And God is going to begin to bring you into the fulfillment of those things very soon. Um, and so just get ready. God's going to do some amazing things with you. And God always saves the best wine for last. And he's about to crack open a really good vintage for you. All right? Because he wants to really work with you in this next season to bring blessing to the broken and the hurting in a very real way. He loves you very much. Amen. Let's give God a huge praise. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, and uh, we're going to read from verse 1. I want to talk today on what I call the subversive nature of the kingdom. How does the kingdom work? What does the kingdom do? Um, and I believe this is very important for us to understand if we're to continue to grow in uh, an expression of signs and wonders. Because how many of you know that signs and wonders aren't for the church? They're for the world. They're signs that make you wonder. It's to point to something greater than the event itself. It's to point to the person of Jesus. Amen? And so we need this stuff not in the buildings of four walls that we call churches, but out on the streets wherever we go. I was just in Cape Town recently and had the opportunity to prophesy over my waitress. Two o'clock in the morning, Cape Town... Can you believe the restaurant's still open at 2 o'clock in the morning in Canton? It's a bit of a dodgy restaurant, but nonetheless, Jesus met with this woman in that place in a very powerful way. We're called to live uh, like that. When I was living in Manchester, I remember being on holiday, and I was taking a few days off. And uh, if you know anything about me, one of my other spiritual gifts is retail therapy. Um, I have an amazing gift for shopping. It's a high spiritual gift. And while I was living in Manchester, I decided to take a few days off and went shopping as you do. Um, <clears throat> got a taxi cab back. And I don't know about you, but me, when I'm on holiday, I don't often want to talk about Jesus. I just want to hang out with him and not have to talk to anyone, not do any kind of ministry. Because I do this all the time. Can I be that honest? Am I allowed to be? And so um, I'm in the taxi cab thinking, oh, Jesus, I got some great buys. You've been so good to me. Great sales, great product. God is on the move. And so um, <clears throat> I'm in the car and the taxi driver who's Muslim uh, says to me, so what do you do for a living? And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have to tell him now. And then he's going to begin a conversation with me. And I just want to chillax. I don't want to have to do anything else. So I said, well, I'm a minister, and immediately launched into why Christianity and the Muslim faith are compatible, and I was like, Lord, help me here. And God showed me that he'd been struggling with the condition in his shoulder for 11 years. And so we carry on chatting, so he says to me, uh, what do you think? So I said, well, I don't know about the compatibility of the Christian faith and the Muslim faith, but I sense that you've got a problem with your shoulder, your left shoulder in particular, and you've had this problem for about 11 years. Not a good thing to say to a taxi driver when he's trying to concentrate on driving you. <laughs> so he's like, how did you know that? So I said, well, unlike your prophet, my prophet is alive. Come on, isn't Jesus good? 
It's the truth. And he just told me that you got that problem. He says, wow, so he can't pray for you. So he goes, okay, so I'm praying for him. Bearing in mind he's driving. And like a banana, I say, test it out, test it out. Dang this while he's driving the car, I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, please don't let us crash. And he goes, No, 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 no. Do that thing again. Quickly, pray again. So I pray for him again and he's instantaneously healed. He says to me afterwards, You got any other magic tricks like that? <laughs> so I said, No, no, this is Jesus. And uh, it was so wonderful to be able to share the gospel with him at the end of the trip he drops me off and I get to pray for his family, get to pray for him, get to demonstrate the kingdom of God to him. He's like, Wow. He was so overwhelmed by the goodness of God, he gave me a discount on the taxi ride. That had to be a miracle right there. I was like, yes, please, this is why we do signs and wonders. We need the kingdom of God out there. And I want to just quickly read from Isaiah chapter 11 and unpack just a few bits. And then at the end, we're going to pray for the sick and we're going to believe God for healing and we're going to demonstrate the kingdom. Don't believe me. Don't believe a word that I say if the kingdom's not demonstrated at the end of this meeting. (laughs) Although you've already seen the kingdom demonstrated, so now you have to believe me. Because people have already got healed, people have already encountered God. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch of his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might the spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goats, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my mountain, as the waters cover, sorry, as the waters cover the earth so my glory will cover the earth. I think it is. I need to quote that properly. Sorry. Um, I love the scripture because it's full of incredible truth, full of incredible blessing. That last verse is, For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I love the scripture because it is a picture of what it will be like when the kingdom fully comes. You know that right now we're living in a tension, aren't we? We're living in a tension of the kingdom having come because Jesus rocked up on the scene and inaugurated the kingdom. He said, change the way you think. The kingdom of heaven is near. He was saying that the dwelling place of Yahweh, the God who is all-consuming, uh, all-powerful, uh, the God who created everything just from the very word of his mouth, that God, Yahweh, the great king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who rules over everything supremely, the one who is large and in charge, the one who is gloriously beautiful, the one who surrounds himself with the angels that cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who utters decrees and they happen simply because he says them, the one whose throne is established upon mercy and upon justice. This one is now within arm's reach. You get to access the gods of heaven. 
That's the good news of the gospel. If you're not a Christian yet tonight, the gospel isn't simply that Jesus died to forgive your sins. The gospel is that Jesus died to restore you to relationship with your heavenly Father. And that when you get saved, you come home. Isn't it wonderful? That's the whole point of the good news. It's not about religion. It's not about organized church meetings. It's about coming into relationship. That's expressed through the body called the church. And so we know that when Jesus came, he said, the kingdom of heaven is here. And how did he prove it? Signs, wonders, miracles. The poor got lifted up, the broken and the hurting got healed. I love that picture, don't you, of a woman who gets thrown at his feet, having been caught in the act of adultery. I often wonder, how did they catch that woman in the act? And why is she the only one naked before Jesus? Where's the guy? Anyway, we'll move on quickly. And I love how Jesus cuts across the religious spirit and he looks at all of them and he says, "Uh, I've got a very simple answer. You're right, she deserves to be stoned. And you know, if Jesus did say that, he would have been lauded as one of the great Pharisees, one of the great rabbis in Jerusalem in that day. But what does he do? He goes for the jugular because Christianity is never simply about an outward appearance of holiness. It's about an inward change that looks a little bit like Jesus. And so he says, uh, excuse me, let's talk about your sinful life. And if you are without sin, you can pick up a stone and cast a stone at a woman. And one by one, all those men had to leave because they all were as guilty as she was. That's the wonderful thing about the gospel. The playing field is level. We all owe Jesus something, and he's kind enough to let us off the hook. Isn't that wonderful? And so he, he, he just turns it on its head. He's like totally counterculture. He releases this woman so that she can go and sin no more. The kingdom of God has finally come. Do you know that when the Bible talks about salvation and the kingdom coming in salvation... You remember the story of the woman who broke the alabaster jar upon the feet of Jesus? I'm probably going to preach on this tomorrow morning at church. If you're not at a local church, get to Jubilee tomorrow. We can have loads of fun. She breaks the alabaster jar upon the feet of Jesus. Beautiful picture. And you know what Jesus says? Your faith has saved you. Do you know that word saved means? It's the word sozo. It means saved, healed, and delivered. And what Jesus was saying is that all of the impact and effect of living a lifestyle of prostitution has been completely reversed now so that you are a brand new person as if you never even lived that life. The mental implication, the psychological implication, the physical implications have all been reversed. That's the power of salvation. Shika bazooka, you should say amen. I mean, that's really good. So the kingdom comes. And this picture, Isaiah 11, speaks of when the kingdom will fully come. Because there's still evil in the world, isn't there? We're still, people are still dying of sickness and of cancer. I'm trusting God for breakthroughs in cancers more and more. People are still dying from HIV. Last two years ago, my mom had the privilege of praying for a woman who got healed of full-blown AIDS. Hello, that deserved a... Bigger clap than that. God is still doing the impossible. 
He's still doing the impossible. And it was really cool, all documented and medic and proven by medical guys. The medical guys go, we can't quite find the uh, strain of the HIV virus anymore, which either means it's gone into remission, which is impossible, um, or we misdiagnosed. In the reality, he wasn't misdiagnosed because those tests are nearly impossible to misdiagnose. I love it when God does that. But we're still seeing people die of AIDS. We're still seeing all of that stuff. And one day, the kingdom of God is going to come when Jesus returns in its fullness. And everything will be as it should be. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more disease. There'll be no more death. This is the Christian secure hope. We have a secure hope. How do we have a secure hope? They still haven't found his body. He's alive. He's well. He's resurrected in glory. That's why we've got a hope. The hope that he, the hope of heaven coming on earth, the hope of the kingdom coming in all of its glory is simply based on the fact that Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. They still ain't found his body yet. And they're never gonna until he comes back. Come on. That's why we've got a certainty. That's why our hope is sure, the Bible says, because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection. And so we're expecting the kingdom of God is going to come with incredible power. And everything is going to be as it should be. I mean, can you imagine your kids playing with cobras? My mom and dad live on the mountain in Cape Town near Cape Point in Simonstown. They have found three cobras in their kitchen. We don't play with them. Can you imagine the lion and the lamb hanging out, chilling out? This is a picture of the bliss-filled perfection of the kingdom of heaven. When everything is as it should be, everything's in order, everything's in place, everything works, there's there's glory, there's there's, there's no need for the gift of healing, there's no need for the gift of prophecy because everything has been fulfilled because Jesus has come back and his kingdom has come in incredible power. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know what I'm going to do in heaven because I want to have a job. (laughs) Because the prophecy is going to cease when the kingdom of heaven comes and makes everything brand new. I love it. And so our expectation is that one day God's going to come onto this earth with heaven and there's going to be a perfect harmony and all things are going to be renewed. I'm living for that day. And the reason why we want God's kingdom to break out now is because that is a prophetic picture of what it will be like then. And when the kingdom breaks out now, it means that those who do not know his love, those who do not know his kindness, those who do not know his healing power, get to see it on this earth and say, I want in. That's why we feed the poor. Not because we're trying to be benevolent. But because if we can lift the poor out of their need and put them into families where they belong, it's a picture of what it's going to be like in heaven. Because there are no orphans in heaven. There are no poor in heaven. That's why we pray for the sick. Because when the kingdom comes and heals the sick, it's a picture of what it's like in, in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. Do, do you get that? The reason why I'm not dying to go to heaven is because I'm living for heaven to come to earth. So the lost and a dying world who do not know the kindness of my loving Father can suddenly encounter him through the person of Jesus. Because the kingdom has come. 
And this picture is incredible because it speaks of that wonderful kingdom when it will come in incredible power. It's a, it's a prophetic, messianic picture. But it starts off with a very simple picture. It starts with something very small. How, how are we going to see the kingdom come? How are we going to see God begin to use us to demonstrate the kingdom? It starts off with a very small picture. It says, there shall come forth from the stump of Jesse a shoot. It's talking about Jesus. Just when you think that the line of David had all but finished, had all been destroyed, suddenly out pops this little shoot. And his name is Jesus. This is a messianic promise. He's talking about Jesus. Remember I spoke to you about the hearing on whom the Spirit rests. This is he, the Son of God. This little shoot will come forth, and this little shoot will carry in it the ability to release the kingdom wherever it goes. And it will bear fruit wherever it goes. And that shoot is speaking of the person of Jesus. But I want you to picture, I want you to see what's happening in this context. We see this great, great picture of the kingdom. We see how amazing it's going to be when the kingdom fully comes. But it begins with something that's very obscure, minute, and very weak. You see, have you ever been in a forest and you walk in the forest and you see the, the, the stump of a tree that's been cut off and you see like a little shoot popping through? Have you noticed how flimsy that shoot is? You can just do that and that's it. That's the end of that shoot. It's dead. You notice it's weak. And here's the incredible secret to moving in power. Here's the incredible secret to extending the kingdom. God, when he wants to extend the kingdom, does not go for what the world sees as power, does not go for charisma, does not go for gift, doesn't go for massive leadership. God goes for the weak of the weak because it's in the weak that his strength is made perfect. So when he wants to choose a saviour and he wants to think about how he's going to demonstrate the saving grace of Jesus, he doesn't go to Herod's home and visit Herod's wife to say, you shall bear a child. No, no, he goes to a 13-year-old, 15-year-old, however old she was, virgin, who is unknown. From the line of David, it's all been almost cut off. The glory of David and his kingdom has almost been completely destroyed. Jesus goes to that one, the weak, that which looks ineffective, that which looks like it could just be wiped away in a moment. And he chooses the weak of this world to demonstrate the power of his kingdom. You notice that the Bible says that the kingdom of God is like a seed. It's not big, but when you drop it into the ground, it grows to become the biggest tree. You see, for many of us, we think that God using us in signs and wonders, we think that God using us in the power of the Holy Spirit has to begin with perfection, has to begin with having all our ducks in a row, has to begin with making sure that we look good, smell good, and can speak well and have everything ready. When the truth is that when God wants to demonstrate His kingdom, He looks for what's the weakest. And He takes the weakest of this world, the foolish things of this world, and He uses them to confound the wise. Anybody feeling a little weak in this room tonight? Because if you do, you're the perfect candidate for kingdom breakthrough. I was born with what's called a cleft palate. 
which means that I had a hole in my palate. Uh, I was born with what's called Pierre-Robin syndrome. So it's affected all of my ENT. I still struggle quite severely as a result. Um, and my body has had some massive uh, repercussions in terms of uh, particular things like hay fever and allergies and all sorts of stuff. God hasn't healed me yet, but I'm looking forward to the day when he does. Um, I can't wait. And, uh, and one of the things that I find fascinating is that the biggest thing that this um, has affected is my speech. And so I have hated the sound of my voice up until uh, just a few years ago. I was about 28 when God really set me free from the, uh, uh, the ability to uh, actually now love the sound of my voice uh, because I, I literally couldn't hear myself preach. I, I'd find it frustrating. If I had any echo back because of the way I sounded, I hated it because it represented something that I didn't want. And the thing I love about God is that what the enemy meant for harm in trying to destroy my mouth and trying to destroy my ability to speak, God is now taking that and using it as an act of divine justice against the kingdom of darkness that I'm prophesying with the very thing I think is the weakest bit on me. I think it's the weakest. I'm thinking like, oh, sweet Jesus, thank you. I hate the sound of my voice. And God goes, and it's the weakest thing, but I'll use it to execute divine justice against the kingdom of darkness. You see, this is the joy of being in the kingdom. God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. He's not asking you to have all of your stuff sorted. He's asking you, just to be ready to do what he calls you to. Brothers and sisters, it is the character of God to conceal greatness in that which looks like smallness. Which is why you can never ever underestimate an apple seed. Because there might be a whole orchard in that little seed. You can never underestimate a mustard seed. Because when it drops into the ground, it becomes one of the biggest trees. You can never underestimate the area of weakness that you struggle with. Because actually it could be an opportunity for God to harness that so that you can shake the world and extend the kingdom. Jesus looked weak in comparison to any of the other rabbis of his day. The Bible says that if you walked past him, you wouldn't have even recognized him. He was so poor that he could only afford a turtle dove as an offering at his birth, at his dedication. There was nothing that set Jesus apart. And everybody was talking about the illegitimate son of Mary because they all did the mass. Yet God chose the weakest, a suffering servant, to outstandingly and gloriously confound the wise and dupe the enemy. So what the enemy meant for the harm of Jesus became the very victory on which we now stand. I don't know where you are at in your life. You might say, Julian, I'm not articulate, articulate enough. You might not be. I'm from South Africa. I didn't get a great education. I didn't go to university because we couldn't afford it. 
My schooling career started off with 59 kids in my class. But you know what? God is good. And he takes the weak things. Listen, up until just 20 years ago, there was no possibility of me even getting a passport to get out and fulfill the purposes of God. But God changed the whole government so that I could travel for him. He did. What is the weakest thing? I'm not talking about sin. If you've got sin, stop it. Stop sinning. You don't have to sin. That's not your nature anymore. You're a new creation. You're not a sinner. The way to overcome sin is not by focusing on the sin. It's by focusing on who you now are in Christ. So the reality of His grace is the thing that helps you overcome the sin. So if you're in sin, stop it. Tell someone. Get them to pray with you. Get them to help you. But that's not who you are anymore. But you might think, but Julian, I've got a weakness. I don't know what your weakness might be. Might be insecurities that you've struggled with for years about yourself. Might be the thought, well, I'm not educated enough, or I've derailed the destiny because I haven't done what God told me to do 15 years ago. I've got good news for you. God chooses the weak things. He chooses the foolish things. He chooses that which looks like small, and he changes it around. His strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, I realize that this job that I'm doing, not that it's a job really, I get to have so much fun doing this. I can't do it by myself. In fact, I can't even attempt to do this by myself. It's got to be because of him. And one of the things that often stops people from stepping out in the miraculous, stepping out in signs and wonders, stepping out in the purposes of God, is that we think we're not qualified. But good news for you. Your weakness qualifies you for greatness. Jesus grew in favor and in stature with God and with man. There are two types of favor and stature that you get. One that comes from heaven, one that comes from men. Men's favor and stature last for a season. Those were the very same people who then crucified Jesus. God's favor and his stature last for a lifetime. The word stature means greatness. Do you know that you were designed for greatness? Shake your neighbor and say, you were designed for greatness. And you know that Jesus, the Bible says, grew in favor. He grew in favor. Have you ever thought about that? How do you grow in favor? Have you ever thought about that? Well, here's the reality. It wasn't that God's perception of Jesus changed. It was that Jesus' perception of God changed. That the greater his ability to receive the goodness of heaven, the greater his ability to walk in the favor of God. You've got some favor behavior coming your way. My intern, yes, exactly, take it. You've got some favor behavior coming your way. You've got some favor behavior coming your way. My last intern, Tim Bentley, 
love him to books. He made this great statement. He said, the thing about God and his anointing is that it gives you an unfair advantage. I like that. And I say, yes, it does give you an unfair advantage. So we see this thing that looks like weakness. And we see the great picture of what it will be like one day when Jesus fully comes. And slap bang in the middle, we see how he's going to accomplish that. And it begins with the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Everything that we are called to do in this life must flow out of friendship with the Holy Spirit. He is not the butler of heaven. And for too long we have believed in what I call the unholy trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. (laughs) I sense somebody picking up some stones. Heresy! Do you know that the Holy Spirit is as much God as God is God? When last did you say good morning, Holy Spirit? I was teaching on the subject, and there was a lady in there. Some of you will remember a few years ago, Benny Hinn wrote the book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. As in fact, more than 20 years ago now. And she said, when last have you read? And when last have you said, good morning, Holy Spirit? She said, not since I read the book. What's your relationship with the Holy Spirit like? Do you talk to Him? All of these sevenfold spirit, yeah, the demonstration of how the Holy Spirit will rest upon us. I wish I had time to unpack it. But you know, the Holy Spirit wants to give you wisdom. You know, He wants to give you understanding. Supernatural wisdom, supernatural understanding. You know, He wants to make you an expert at your job and at bringing the kingdom to your job, to your family. He wants to give you counsel and might. The word counsel means the strategic plans of heaven. He wants to give you answers to complicated equations and difficult things. I sit with, with um, businessmen, right? And they say to me, Julian, can you prophesy over our business? I'm thinking, sweet Jesus, if only you knew that I can barely manage my own financial accounts. How are you asking me to now prophesy over you? But it's incredible that the Holy Spirit is an expert in everything. He's the best economist. He's the best businessman. And so when you ask him, because by the way, he knows everything. When you ask him, he gives you supernatural wisdom and unlocks things in businesses. Isn't that cool? You know, the Holy Spirit's the best doctor. I was ministering to a lady uh, in England. She's in Wimbledon. And uh, she's unable to fall pregnant. And uh, the Lord showed me uh, some stuff that was happening in her womb. And I described it. I'm not a doctor. But I described what's happening. She said, no, no, I went for tests. And the doctors have ruled that out. So I said, well, I don't know. This is what I see. A few months later, she was in South Africa. Went for another random checkup. And the doctors found out that exactly what I described was happening in her body. She was misdiagnosed the first time wrong. And when they dealt with the issue, she was able to fall pregnant. Yay, God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's a brilliant doctor. The Holy Spirit is a brilliant, brilliant commentator on the Bible. He wrote it. (laughs) Go figure that one. 
You see, the key to growing in greatness, the key to growing in favour, the key to taking that which seems is weak in your life, is not by trying harder or working harder or serving harder or going to more meetings. It's by developing friendship with the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says that He is a tutor. He is a teacher. And literally what that means is the Holy Spirit comes to teach you how to live in wisdom. He comes to teach you how to live in understanding. He comes to teach you how to live in counsel. He comes to teach you how to live in might. He comes to teach you how to live in the, in the, fear of the, the knowledge of the fear of the Lord and in the knowledge of the Lord. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is the one who gets you to have access to the brilliant mind of God? 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind is conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But these things are being revealed to us by the Spirit. For who knows the mind of a man except the spirit of that, mind, of that man? So even so, who knows the mind of God except his spirit? Now we have not been given the spirit of this world, but the spirit is from God that we might enjoy all things freely. Do you know that you get to access the complicated, amazing, detailed, phenomenally intelligent, outstandingly brilliant mind of God for everything concerning your life? It means that whatever situation you're facing, you can ask the Holy Spirit to take you into the mind of God so He can give you answers for the very thing you're facing. No matter how complicated it is. Do you know that many of the incredible advances that we enjoy today have come out of devoted Christians, particularly during the Puritan age, who gave themselves to Jesus and He gave them things by Spirit, designs and ideas and plans which we now live in the fat of. Do you know that in this country, most of the incredible advances in economics, in the way that we deal with human resource and working with people, in the way that we deal with the poor and the broken, have not come from the secular arena, but it's come from the church, through Christians who gave themselves to God? We've got to take over the world again. Because that's what the kingdom does. That's why you are planted in your workplace. That's why you are planted in your place of influence. Because although you feel like you're obscure, minuscule, although you feel like you're small or weak, God's put you there because in that weak place you're going to begin to grow, to have influence. And the place of influence that you now have begins to look a little bit like the kingdom of heaven. And people say, I want in. That's why you were born. You're not just a bump on a log. You're a person of influence. And if you can take responsibility of your sphere of influence and release the kingdom in that area, everything will begin to change. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. And I want to just give you one or two keys very quickly. I wish I had more time to unpack all of the stuff but we don't have time right now. Here's some keys on developing friendship with the Holy Spirit. This is going to be profound. Are you ready for this? You might want to check out a notes book and you might want to check out a pen because this is going to rock your world. Are you ready? Waste 
kein Hanoi-Lichberg. Gosh, that's profound, isn't it? Some of you are looking at me going, are you serious? Is that the best scriptural thing that you can bring up right now? When you learn to spend time with the Holy Spirit, you will grow in favor with Him and you will begin to see the kingdom break up wherever you go because the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you get to know the Holy Spirit, He is the ultimate, most beautiful, most purest and most Holy Spirit guide. Everything else is a fake and demonic. He is the original Spirit guide who wants to guide you and lead you into all the things that God has for you. (laughs) I love it. I have new ages come up to me and go, there's such a bright aura around you. You've never seen such a bright light before. And I go, it's right. You might have a little bit of revelation or light, but I've got perfect light. And his name is Jesus. Guys, when you get to know the Holy Spirit, he's what we call the eschatos spirit. He's the one who brings the reality of the kingdom to us right now in order for it to be demonstrated. So all the good stuff that Jesus purchased for us, all the stuff that we've just read about, he's the one who incrementally begins to bring it to the breaks in our world right here and right now. So I can say, the kingdom of God is here, people are going to get healed, and suddenly they do. It's good. Somebody's having a good laugh. He's getting a double portion, my little baby. Give him some more, Lord. <laughs> Do you get that? You want to demonstrate the kingdom in your workplace? You want to demonstrate the kingdom in your place of influence? Get to know the Holy Spirit. Waste time on Him. Talk to Him. Talk to Him. Say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Invite Him to interrupt today. One of the most inconvenient things about Knowing the Holy Spirit is that he loves to inconvenience you. He will come at the most awkward times. And we're going like, Holy Spirit, I am trying to read the Bible and be busy here. And he goes, come on, just let's have a little chat for a moment. Most inconvenient times when you're in the middle of a shopping mall and you're just trying to do some shopping and he says, I just want to talk to you for a moment. Friends, God wants to move in power tonight. But I want to encourage you. I don't know what you think is the weakest part in your life. But God likes to use that. He'll drop it into the ground like a little seed. And it will seem like nothing. It will seem like it's covered. But it will begin to grow. And be the greatest tree in the garden. You're called to be a kingdom influencer. You're called to take responsibility for your sphere of influence. And the only way you can do that is in the Holy Spirit. And so I want to end today off where I started off. And that's that the Holy Spirit comes upon us to confirm our sonship. 
Not only that, it comes to empower us to release the kingdom. And we need some kingdom releases. We need some people who unlock the kingdom and let the power flow. Do you know what I'm saying? And so we're going to pray for some people in a moment. We're going to believe God for some breakthroughs. Just by the way, the Holy Spirit is one of the funnest people I know. He's very sneaky. He'll surprise you, I tell you what. Just when you least expect it, he'll just jump on you with incredible grace and mercy and smother you with kindness. I think that's a good point. Have some more going over and go on then, drink. <laughs> Do you know that he's called the spirit of joy? And he's called the spirit of joy for a reason? To make you happy? You might be saying, why on earth is that man laughing? Because he's happy. That's why he's laughing. <laughs> and if you can't be happy in church, where can you be happy, eh? <laughs> Go ahead and just have a drink. Close your eyes and let him come to you right now. Graham, have a drink. You're off duty. Have some. Have some. I'm so glad we get to laugh in church. How boring would church... Actually, I know some places like that. I better stop. <laughs> Sorry. We love all churches. Lord, more joy in our churches. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Ooh. If you're looking for a biblical uh, reference for this, the Bible says that Jesus rejoiced. He laughed out aloud. Not only that, there are loads of places in the Bible that talk about great joy. Just close your eyes and just let him come to you. Let him meet with you. I found that people get healed better in the context of joy than they do in the context of soberness and seriousness. Do you know that C.S. Lewis said that the serious business of heaven is joy? <laughs> God is very serious about you being full of joy. <laughs> he really is. He's very serious about you being full of joy. <sighs> I was teaching in Durban recently. And a woman walking off the streets, being addicted to drugs for a number of years, walked into the context of joy and got inebriated and filled with the Holy Spirit, came off all the drugs. Two weeks later, got up and said, I've been completely set free from all of my addictions to drugs. I've been living clean for two weeks. I've given my heart to Jesus. I've never had a high quite like being in church. So where you are, just lift up your hands. Ah. Ah. Who? 
get them, Lord. Release your joy right now. Release your joy right now. God, let these people learn to laugh their troubles away. Some of you need some more drinking and less thinking. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, by the way. Just to clear that up. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Right now, release your joy. Release your kindness. Release your goodness.